Time for scripture, Don. Probably not one that you know particularly well, but then we will have a very familiar uh, uh, section of scripture from the Gospel of Luke. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God, the Lord, will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. And then from the Gospel of Luke. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hand of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, wounds having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 2015, an incident occurred in the ancient city of Hebron, an area now largely controlled by the Palestinian Authority. It involved five American students from Yeshiva University, tourists, Orthodox Jews. And they were on their way to pray at the Cave of the Patriarchs, and many believe the Cave of the Patriarchs to be the ancient burial site for many of Israel's great patriarchs. And so Jews, Muslims, and Christians alike consider this a holy site. And the five students got lost and they ended up in a Palestinian neighborhood. And before they knew it, they found themselves under attack by a mob of Palestinians. Rocks were thrown, Molotov cocktails engulfed the car, and eventually the students were pulled from the car and were beaten. Faiz Abu Hamadaya, a Palestinian Muslim and businessman who lived in the neighborhood, witnessed what was happening. And without giving himself time to think about it, he ran into the street and interceded on behalf of the Jewish students. He rushed them to his house to protect them from the mob and the Israeli security forces eventually came and rescued the tourists. 
Now, had Hamadiah given himself time to think about it, he might have considered it far too dangerous to rescue these students. Not just in confronting the mob, but in what would occur a few days later. As the family received death, death threats from their neighbors and that they would burn down their house. A reporter, when interviewing Hamadiah, offered that he was a hero. And the Palestinians said, I'm not a hero. I did it because I'm a human being. I'm not a hero. I did it because I'm a human being. You know, there is enough that is happening in our world today to question what it means to be human. Mass shootings are front page news. Individual attacks of violence that don't, don't receive the same attention and never make it to our papers. Fear in our neighborhoods that thieves would break in. Bombings in places across the world. And whether it is the color of skin or the nationality or our faith or anything else that prompts attacks, the question needs to be asked. What does it mean to be human? There's something that, about being human that prompted Palestinian Muslims, to, this Palestinian Muslim, to intercede on behalf of those five Orthodox Jewish students. Something about being human that makes a student rush at an active sh shooter to protect his classmates. Something about being human that urges a first responder to run toward the fire. And maybe that's what Jesus was getting at. Something about being human when he told that story about the beaten man on the side of the road. Something about being human that prompted of all people, a Samaritan, to stop, to tend to the man's wounds and to find for him a place to rest. Christian and Justin Moore walked into Home Depot with the intention of building for their two-year-old son, Logan, a special walker. Logan was born with a condition that makes it difficult to build strong muscle mass, and he needed a special walker to help him stand and walk. And unfortunately, insurance did not cover this, and the family had little resources. And so they looked up on YouTube, and they found that they could build one using PVC pipe. And they arrived at Home Depot with their supply list, which they showed to one of the employees. Hearing of what was going on, the store manager approached and told the family to go get something to eat come back in a couple of hours. And they did, and in that time, employees got together and built the walker for Logan and refused to take any money for the parts. There is something human about helping one who was faced with life's challenges. What does it mean to be human? That somewhere buried deep within our hearts, somewhere in this image of God that is planted in our soul, that there is this notion that to be human is to have the sense that we've got each other, we are the human race and we've got each other. And I wonder if that's not what the psalmist receives in answer to his prayer this morning. The psalmist in Psalm 85 prays to God and wonders with God what the future of God's people looks like. What sign are we to look for for the favor of God? The psalmist places himself into a listening posture and wonders. Will you not revive us again? so that your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love. Grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people. Show us, O Lord. Let me hear, O Lord, what it means to be a human in relation to you. 
how do we live into the image of God? Let me hear. And God speaks peace to his people. And if there is anything that we would want from our prayers, it would be for God to speak peace to us. I don't think there is a person sitting here who doesn't need more peace in their lives. Peace with ourselves, peace with God, peace with God's world. And somehow this tapestry of this God within me and God above me and God all around me are all woven together. And God speaks that peace to us. It's not unlike the story that I often tell at a funeral of a mother who is looking for something for which to occupy her son. And she finds on the coffee table a magazine, and on the cover of that magazine is a picture of the planet Earth. And she gets an idea, and she tears off that cover and tears it into pieces, thinking that in making a puzzle she will occupy her son for hours. And the boy goes off to finish the puzzle, and Mom thinks that she can now get her work done, and to her surprise, 10 minutes later, the boy is back with the puzzle complete. And she asks, how did you do that so fast? And the little boy says, well, while you were tearing that page apart, on the back I saw a picture of a man. And I figured if I could put the man back together, the world would come back together also. The psalmist speaks peace to us. What word do you have for us today that will bring this world back together? And what we hear is that steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. And in this big world, it seems to always want to be torn apart all the time, that God's word to us is that peace comes when it kisses righteousness. And steadfast love and faithfulness spring up from the ground. If there is to be peace, it will be in not letting go. Peace comes in being steadfast in our love. Peace comes in not letting go. Peace comes in the I got you. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace, they will kiss each other. Have you ever given any thought to the kisses that are in the Bible? I bet most of us think that the Bible is a kissless book. That's a hard word to say, a kissless book. But some of the greatest stories in the Bible end with a kiss. Do you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Esau cheated out of his inheritance by his younger brother. And the two boys separate the worst of enemies, but it's not how the story ends. It ends with Jacob and Esau finally having to face each other and Jacob thinking that it is the end. Esau is going to get his revenge for having cheated his brother, and just when we think that he's going to really give it to his brother, Esau runs to him, falls upon him, and kisses him. And Jacob says, seeing you is like seeing the face of God. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. I got you. How about Joseph? beaten by the jealousy of his brother, sold into slavery. He ends up amazingly being the savior of Egypt in the famine, and his brothers now come to him looking for help because the famine hit their family. And when Joseph sees the very men who tried to destroy him, what does he do? Does he send him home hungry? No. 
he falls upon them and kisses them. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace, they will kiss each other. I gotcha. And when the father lets his prodigal son go out to the far country only to have him blow his family inheritance and the boy comes limping back home ashamed, Jesus tells us that the father, when he saw his boy, ran to him and fell upon him and kissed him. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. I got you. You know, it's not about being right. It's about being together. It's in the I got you because, you know, there's this force in the world that is as invisible and as powerful as gravity, and it's a force of estrangement. And every day presents opportunities to be estranged, estranged from family and acquaintances, estranged in our politics and in our religions, in our community, in our color, in our nationality. There's this constant force that wants to tear us apart, to convince us that we're right, they're wrong. It's a natural way of things in this world. And God forbid that someone would demonstrate a public display of affection, or God forbid a Palestinian to rescue a Jew, or two persons of different backgrounds embracing each other. God forbid one enemy kissing another. God forbid a gracious act. You know, sometimes in our world, it seems that there are to be no signs of love. And against this force of estrangement, we pray that God would give us peace, that steadfast love and faithfulness will meet, righteousness and peace would kiss each other. Richard Sells is a plastic surgeon who tells the story of a patient whose surgery under his hand went very wrong. He severed a nerve in this woman's face and her smile would never be able to be straight again. Dr. Sells recounts the moment at her bedside along with her husband when he had to deliver the bad news. And the young woman speaks, will my mouth always be like this? Yes, he says, the nerve was cut. She nods and is silent. And then the young man, her husband, smiles and says, I like it. It's kind of cute. Dr. Sells continues, all at once I know who he is. I understand and I lower my gaze as he bends to kiss her crooked mouth. And I can see how he twists his own lips to accommodate hers to show her that their kiss still works. And I remember that the gods appeared in ancient Greece as mortals and I hold my breath and I let the wonder in. I got you. I'm a human and I got you. The force may be against us, but I got you. Some of you may know more or less my family story, but Father's Day is always a very important day for us. The forces of 1,200 miles always tried to pull us apart. No parent's perfect, but one thing my kids have always known is that I've been there for them. What many of you don't know is that whenever I hear the terrible news of a family splitting apart, I go out with the dad, and I tell him to never give up on the relationship with his kids. Because for whatever reason, the statistics show that that is a relationship that so easily splits apart. Let them know that you got them. In fact, every father here this morning, when you celebrate with your children today, somewhere in the course of those conversations, let them know that you got them. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. 
righteousness and peace, they will kiss each other. Because, you know, that's exactly what it means to have the image of God planted in us. 2,000 years ago, when God was reconciling the world through Jesus, steadfast love and faithfulness met. Righteousness and peace kissed each other. When the God-man contorted himself just enough to show each one of us that our kiss still worked. And he said, I got you. Amen.